630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, here we go. Hour number two, 630 Chad Inside Sports. It's Campbell in for Wilkins tonight. Reed will be back in the big chair tomorrow getting ready for the Edmonton Elks game, which will be on Saturday. Six o'clock is the countdown to kickoff. Eight o'clock, the kickoff on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. And you can catch the game right here on 630 Chet. And uh, those that are uh, going to the game and maybe are having a little trouble with the uh, the new mobile ticketing system. And if you go on goelks.com, in fact, uh, you'll hear a video voiced by our very own Morley Scott about how you can download your mobile tickets. And there has been some, and I, I have received these complaints as well, or concerns, uh, that the uh, just some people just don't have an, a phone that is uh, that basically jives with the new mobile ticketing system. So here's what I can tell you. The Elks say that those without that device or a device that works with the new mobile tickets. All you got to do is go to the Elks team store before game day, and they're open uh, Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., and your tickets can be printed there, okay? So uh, the Elks want to make sure that they will take care of you, okay? If you need your tickets printed, they can print your tickets. So uh, there you go. So they're open tomorrow from 9 until 5, and that's the case Monday through Friday as uh, I'm looking forward to talking to this next guest of ours because uh, I consider him a, a good friend and colleague and someone I haven't talked to in way, way too long. And I don't know how good he is with technology and mobile tickets and things like that. But Julio Caravat has been around for a while. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I just love talking to this to this gentleman. Julio Caravat, a color voice of the uh, BC Lions on our sister station, CKNW in Vancouver. Julio, buddy, how you doing? Oh, Dave. Is it nice to hear your voice, my friend? I tell you, you know, I... You know, I don't normally get excited about the Eskimos. Or the See, how many times are you going to say that, Clink. by the way? Yeah. Morley and I are setting up a toonie jar. Okay, good. I was going to say, I, I know you guys are going to have something <laughs> set up. So, But, uh, you know, you talk about an Elks game and football, and here we are talking football. My friend, it has been far too long. I mean, I, I remember how I felt when it was – I don't even remember what day it was anymore. I know it was – getting close to a year in mid-August when we had that official word that the season was canceled. I cannot, re- I cannot remember a day in my professional life where I felt as down as I did on that day. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure yeah. the same was for you. Everybody. Yeah, absolutely. It's just been, it's just been hard on everybody. Um, and, you know, I know you're like me. You, you, we love the game. Um, we love being around the game. We love talking about the game and to get that taken away, uh, you know, I tell you, it's been it's been tough, and so uh, you know, heading up to training camp and watching football and and being out at practice the last few days with the Lions, um, it just it, it it's a excitement beyond anything I can describe. And uh, we're going to a place where it's going to be sold out, thirty five thousand people in Regina for the game against the Lions. How you know, about that? I know I was going <laughs> to say you're you're going from not, you're going from zero to a hundred miles an hour if you're a player or a broadcaster or anybody that's tied into that game because that is going to be electric in there. Could this be? You know, I talked with Blake Dermott last half hour about you know could this week be like week one in the NFL 
were same scenario they had and i mean their training camps go on for like six weeks compared mm-hmm. to the cfl camps that go on for about three and change but i remember and they didn't have preseason games last year like the cfl didn't have this time around mm-hmm. and i remember week one being about the most entertaining brand of football that I have seen in a long time, not because it was clean and crisp and and precision like, but there were so many mistakes that led to so many exciting plays. And I wonder if, is that what we're going to see in these four games in week one? Well, I, I, I think there's going to be a, a, you know, a a large, a large part of that is going to be because of that, because of no, preseason games i totally agree with that um it's going to be very very difficult for these guys you know you got to remember um for a lot of them it's been what 18 19 months you know that's a long time for mm-hmm. these guys no matter how you know i mean i was talking to michael riley about this the other day and you know he says you know regardless of how long you've played the game like when you haven't been in that scenario because you know dave the one thing i remember wally buono telling me this uh, that you know no matter what you do in practice you can never replicate the pressure and anxiety that comes with being on a field when it's happening for real. So no matter what you do in practice, you cannot replicate that. So for a lot of these guys and for a lot of the young guys who've impressed all of us during training camp and I, Oh yeah, I know this guy looks really, we're not going to know. Nobody's going to know until it happens for real. So that's going to happen right across the board. Um, And it's going to be, it's going to be exciting because you know, we get to see some of these guys that we, you know, we've been ranting and raving about for for about three or four weeks, and now we get to see it happen for real. Yeah, no question. And and you know, it, we don't know if any of these players, especially you know, and we're worth if from an Elks perspective. I, I look at two guys that have been getting a lot of attention during camp, and that is uh, a couple linebackers, Keyshawn Barrera, who's the middle linebacker, Niles Morgan, who's the will linebacker. And those two basically put Vontae Diggs, the reigning most outstanding rookie nominee for the uh, double E back in 2019. And they put him out of a job, but you just don't know. And, and Jamie Elizondo mentioned it today is you don't know if that decision or any decisions you make on a lineup are correct because you yeah. don't have a lot to talk about or a lot to go on. So yeah. I just wonder how long this is going to go. I mean, evaluation happens all across the season, you know, all throughout the season, but Man, I mean, I think there's just a lot of unknowns and maybe there's some coaches that said, I thought I'd had something in this guy, but maybe I didn't and vice versa. And and, and I, that's a very good point. And the other part of that, Dave, is that, you know, you've got to trust, you know, you know, your football uh, IQ and, and what all these coaches and personnel, what they bring to the table. But the other element you have to you bring into it is like there's the, the, with a, with the shortened down season. Right. There's no time. There's not going to be any time to say, hey, we'll give this guy a couple of three games, right? I think guys are going to, teams are, you know, if they don't get off to the start that they want, they might panic a little bit and say, hey, we got to start making some changes. So for a lot of these guys, you know, I mean, they're going to have to get out of the gate and and start very quickly um, in order to keep themselves around, right? Like it's just, it's just, there's so many different variables happening uh, on all these teams. um, And it's going to be really, really interesting to see, you know, what happens when, you know, by the time, you know, we play you guys. Uh, you know, three weeks in here, like uh, in yeah. the middle of August, like what, what are both teams going to look like? What, how are both teams, you know, how are they both shaping up or the guys that they thought, well, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to go running back to the guys that you, you know, you, you had, and you thought, oh, maybe this guy's better. And, oh, we cut the veteran. And now all of a sudden we're going to go race out and try to get that guy because we were wrong. And, you know, it's, it's just, there's so many different elements that are going to be happening here that it, it, the first 
few weeks are going to be very, very interesting. Julio Caravada joining us here on 630 Chit Inside Sports. He's the color analyst for BC Lions football on our sister station, CKNW Radio in Vancouver. Uh, the injury reporting is, is fabulous. You know, I, I like it because I risk not getting yelled at anymore by a higher up with the team. Um, Michael Riley, who was, by the way, number six on the TSN Top 50, uh, two straight days limited with an elbow issue yes. uh is this a major concern for the lions right now or is this just well, a 36 year old managing his body yeah I, I think it's a little bit of that um i don't think there's anything serious wrong with him other than the fact that uh you know he hasn't probably thrown as many footballs as he has early on in training camp and it started to take a toll on him from what i understand that's happening all the way around the league you know i've, I've heard of uh, bull levi's i think is in the same boat i think matt nichols is in the same matt boat. Nichols. Mm -hmm. yeah so you know so th those those are all guys that i think that have been around that, again you can't replicate training camp Right as a quarterback, you can go out and throw all the balls that you want in the off season, but there's nothing like what it's like during you know uh, eight on eight or in team drills where you're throwing sidearm and trying to get rid of the ball. You're putting strain on a. So these guys are just I think are, are, they're they're just not used to the workload after such a long layoff. And uh, I, I I got every expectation that Michael Rowley is going to be ready to play, um, but if he doesn't, you know if he doesn't. It's going to be a hell of a story because Nathan Rourke, uh, the young Canadian quarterback that the Lions drafted in 2019 out of Ohio mm. University, has looked very, very good um, in practice and in training camp. Uh, he's the real deal. Uh, he looks fantastic. He's, he's, he's got all the things that you want in a quarterback. He's smart. Uh, he's learned the offense. I think having that year and a half off has really allowed him to really digest this offense. And, um, you know, he's looked very, very good. So, um, it'll be interesting, but I, my, my bet would be that Michael Rowley is going to be ready to go. So we know the season it was for the Lions in 2019. It wasn't very mm -hmm. good. They, they did make a run in September, October, where they were a yeah. very dangerous football team, and then that all ended with, a, ironically, a Mike Rowley injury here in Edmonton. Yes. Um, and the, uh, the double-E beat the Lions, and they clinched the playoff spot. So, you know, when I look at that roster from 2019, I said, oh, it's just there, there's there's some there's some nice pieces, but uh, I you know the the old line was an issue. The the the, the defense was a major issue. Yeah. Uh, so how is this Lions team going to be successful? What do they have to do to make sure that they don't have a duplication of 2019? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll start. Um, well, first off, it, it's the line of scrimmage that's going to dictate. You know, that, that's, that's the biggest question mark. So we'll start on offense. Uh, an offensive uh, group that gave up 58 sacks was last in the league. Um, and then when Kelly Bates brought, was brought in as a, as a coach, things started to turn around and they were better. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people always look at sacks and they think, oh, it's the offensive line. Well, there's, there's three parts to a sack. There's the offensive line, there's the running backs, and there's the quarterbacks. And sometimes those guys are at fault for, for the quarterback, for the sack. But mm -hmm. um, I think that with the Lions uh, getting Riker Matthews, who was an Eastern All-Star with Hamilton in free agency, has solidified that right side. The other guy I think that is, is, is I think, poised to have a very, very good year is Suk Chung, who came over in free agency and from Winnipeg and signed a big contract and was never healthy. 
and tried to play through and and it made made everything worse and so uh, I, I I get the sense that he's a very very motivated young man who wants to prove to the league of, about just how good he is um, so you know having him healthy is going to be a very good thing and then Peter Godber who again they have a lot of high hopes for was injured um, he's playing center so you have Hunter Stewart who's a eight-year vet you got uh, Joel Figueroa who you know Zank can anchor that left side they're all healthy I'm I'm pretty confident that they're going to be pretty pretty decent up front on offense uh, you throw in the, the addition of Lucky Whitehead you throw in the addition of Shaq Cooper you throw in the addition of Dominic Grimes you know, those are some good pieces, good, solid pieces that have, have a proven track record in the CFL. So offensively, if they can keep Mike, Mike, uh, Michael Riley upright, I think they, they've got a chance to be dangerous on offense. Now, you flip over onto the other side. Now, this is the big question mark, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if I were to mm-hmm. tell you that the, the front seven for the BC Lions is going to be entirely new. Okay, they're 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 basically they've got J.R. Tavai, who has some experience with with Ottawa. Uh, you know, the last few years, you've got uh, Anthony uh, Chaffee, who's another guy who's got some experience uh, with Ottawa. But other than that, you got Bola Cumble, uh in that front seven that they, you know, mean they all have experience. But um, the rest of those defensive linemen are all going to be first year CFL defensive linemen. A guy like Boom um, Guachem is a guy that. Um, has really turned some heads. Uh, he's a young guy, Josh Banks. And, and for anybody who watches Netflix and Last Chance You, Tim Bonner in season two, he is right. He has done very, very well. He looks like he's, you know, I mean, he's got the skill set to be very good. So you, you, here I am trying to tell you that, oh, you know, what we have up front. Well, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. I, I don't know what mm-hmm. we're going to get. Jordan Williams, by the way, let me don't forget him. Jordan Williams was our first-round draft pick, first overall middle linebacker out of East Carolina. He looks like he's the real deal. Uh, he's a, a kid that goes from sideline to sideline, great instincts, and, and he has gotten better and better every single day. So that front seven for the Lions has is, is, is got some question marks, and th- that's what we're going to have to wait and see. If that defensive line can fly around and make things happen, and you know they're, they're all fast and athletic, then they're going to have a chance. But if those guys, if it takes them time to kind of learn how to play the game and figure things out, it's time that they just don't have. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how they how they adapt. No, no question. It's going to be an interesting year. Um, it's, it is. You know, a lot of a lot of unknowns because we really don't know what anyone really truly looks like yet. Uh, you know, all nine teams are happy with themselves to to a certain degree because they got through right. training camp. And then there's the other issue about. COVID-19 and the league saying today that and I wondered for for weeks well what would happen if they had a COVID scenario well now we found out they're basically taking the NFL's uh you know protocols and saying if you have a COVID outbreak and can't play we're forfeiting you got to forfeit the game and you lose and if you're below the 85 percent vaccine threshold sorry uh, that is for team then you don't get you don't get paid so I never thought the CFL would go to this step but here we are yeah, exactly, and and I mean I, I know I've talked to Rick Lalasher about this. I mean they, they just can't afford they can't afford no one can afford to have an outbreak and to be able to have to forfeit a game. So that is you know I I'm sure you're in the same boat when when you go to practice and around these guys. You mean you you they're they're really on you about keeping your distance and about wearing your masks and all those yep. kinds of things. So uh, you know the, the the league these are steps that you have to do. It's it's just something that they can't afford to have any kind of an outbreak. It would just kill them. So. 
um, I'm all for it, right? Whatever we can do to keep these guys on the, on the field and keep games going and get people back to normal, uh, I'm all in. So, and then the other part too, Dave, you mentioned about the, how it's all going to be interesting. What about, what about the, like, you know, we saw the outbreak of injury, like say even for Saskatchewan, how many guys have they, have they lost to Achilles injuries? How much is injury going to yeah. play a factor in all this, right? Like we all know, like some of these teams, right? You lose one or two guys on, on your offense or a starting quarterback or whatever. And it can lead to a very, very long year. So it, it'll be yep. interesting to see how these guys start to, you know, get themselves back, but uh, hopefully for everyone's sake, because you never want to hope for injury for anybody. We want to see what the CFL uh, at, at its best. Well, that means it's neat. it needs its stars. It needs its starters on the field and playing. Absolutely. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Well, enjoy the mosaic atmosphere. It's going to be a lot Thanks, of fun. Buddy. I'm going to... S- I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks. I, I yes. think we have, we'll be at a distance, but we'll wave. I'm sure we'll talk yeah, as we'll well. Oh, we'll, t- we'll talk from the six feet. We'll, we'll wear masks. We'll do all that stuff, but uh, it'll be great to see you, Dave. And, uh, and say hi to Morley for me. Like I said, I'm just thrilled about this. We're getting back to work and getting to get to call some football games. Can't wait, buddy. Can't wait to see you okay. in a couple of weeks too. Yeah. All take right. Care of yourself, bud. Cheers. Julio Caravada, color analyst for BC Lions football on CKNW Radio in Vancouver. Should mention the Jays are playing tonight. They're back in Toronto, which is pretty exciting. And in the sixth inning, it's six two for the Jays over Cleveland. So uh, Jays look like they're pretty happy being at home because they've they've been playing some pretty good baseball lately. Uh, I mentioned the uh, TSN. Top 50 CFL player list. I was a, a ballot, or I had a ballot. I think third year in a row I've done this, so it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of, it's a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say pressure. It's just a little bit difficult. Uh, four members of the Edmonton Elks made the list. Trevor Harris, quarterback number eight. I'm going to quickly do this here. Uh, number 15 was Darrell Walker, and Greg Ellingson also made the list at number 24. And the final member of the Elks was Kwaku Botang, who was at number 37. Uh, the top five, uh, Brandon Banks, the reigning most outstanding player from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and a reigning MOP of the CFL, number one. Number two, Bo Levi Mitchell. Number three, Willie Jefferson, the defined defensive end for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Number four, Brian Burnham. That was my pick for number one. Andrew Harris, who probably won't play this week for the Bombers after not practicing for the last two days. He is at number five. That's pretty cool. Talk some uh, hockey next half hour. Dave Tippett making some comments, reacting to his club's work and free agency led by general manager Ken Holland. Tokyo 2020 Olympics in 2021. The uh, canoe sprint, men's and women's underway. Canadian Katie Vincent advances to the women's 200-meter canoe sprint. She placed first in her heat, so she advances. Uh, No medals for Canada yesterday. And as I mentioned, Damian Warner with a really good time in the, uh, well, scintillating time in uh, her or his... uh, decathlon 100 meter bested his world mark of or sorry matched his world mark of 10.12 seconds and uh, fc edmonton is playing right now in uh, canadian premier league action they're in calgary to play calvary fc and Easton ongaro opens the scoring for fc 
Edmonton. So one nil is the score in the uh, first half of play. Dave Tippett spoke today on Oilers Now with uh, Bob Stoffer. You can hear that fine program from noon until two right here on 630 Ched. But uh, free agency uh, last week for the Oilers, uh, GM Ken Holland able to uh, bring in Zach Hyman. Also, Derek Ryan, Cody Cece on defense, uh, traded for Warren Fogle and um, was able to bring back Tyson Berry. Now there's going to be work on Darnell Nurse, you know that, but uh, Hyman is a player and Berry is a player that no question uh, got some help, got some current players on the team. uh, In Berry's case back and in other players' case, uh, other players were able to, current Oilers were able to sell or sell uh, the players that signed with the team on Edmonton. And Dave Tippett talked about that. Well, it, it just shows that everybody's on the same page trying to push this thing forward. And, and all three of those guys, Connor and Leon and, and Darnell, have been fantastic. And even uh, after we acquired Duncan Keith, he was uh, uh, active in it also. So there's uh, that's just part of becoming a good team. And, and everybody wants to do their part, help out wherever they can. And sometimes for players, it's just not on the ice. It's, uh, it's you know, trying to build a team in the summer that uh, you can convince people what we're trying to do here and and get people engaged and and add to your team and add to the depth that you need so cody cc is in duncan keith is of course in because he was traded not too long ago uh by uh or acquired by ken holland unfortunately adam larson is not in the mix and dave tippett spoke about his uh, team's new look defense well, you know, Duncan is uh, I mean, obviously a proven winner, Norris Trophy winner. Uh, when Ken reached out to our coaching staff and asked us about uh, acquiring him, you know, it was uh, everybody knows how he's played in this league. Uh, it was funny, after I started talking to him, I don't know if I've talked to a player that's more motivated uh, to play well as this guy as this guy was is um you know he he uh he had a great run in chicago and now he's looking for a new challenge and the challenge to help our younger players uh take another step uh is is something that uh he really is is uh, jumping into and he's a motivated player he wants to play well and make sure our players uh take the next step so he was uh, i think it's a, a great ad for our team as we go through it you know losing larson um was not something that we anticipated but when it happened we filled the hole with uh, with cc real strong defender and um you know so i, li- I like the changes we've made this year it's uh uh, some out of necessity, some out of trying to uh, trying to really improve our group, and, uh, and I, like, I like where we're at. Uh, Evan Bouchard. So off of those comments, uh, is there a uh, projected defense pairing? How he's going to do it? Is Dave Tippett, does, does he have that in his head already? Well, you, you know, you have stuff on paper, obviously, you look at, but uh, some, you know, a lot of that, uh, I mentioned to somebody I was talking to yesterday, it all looks good on paper in the summer, and then uh, and then you get into camp, and you have injuries, and you have uh, different things. Uh, you know, player steps forward, one guy steps back, and now things change in a hurry. So, it's uh, you know, it's one of those things where you you know, if you look at it right now, you'd say, okay, Barry, that uh, he's familiar with Nurse, you put him back there. Keith and CC kind of give you that middle pair that can be defenders. 
and then you look at uh, a veteran guy with Bush on the third pair. But if Bush comes in and plays real well, you never know. Or you know, there's uh, there's different scenarios that'll come into play. But I like the depth that we have on defense. Ken, I know, is talking about possibly adding one more guy. But uh, um, you know, we've we've got some new pieces, but uh, we're going to have to get to know them a little bit. But uh, for the most part, I like where we're at on defense. I think we've got a different look, but I think we could uh, we could take steps forward with it. Well, and that's a good point, and that, that's kind of a key point too. Is I mean, it's quiet now. It's amazing after free agency how it just settles right down, and there's not much to talk about at this point until probably early September might be some tidbits here and there that 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 drop but uh you know like last year uh slater cuckoo was signed to a pto and too bad he didn't play the whole season it was not too bad when he played and who knows if he'll be brought back maybe there'll be other players signed to ptos who knows uh the goaltending situation wasn't for a lack of try it appears general manager ken holland tried to unload miko koskinen in some fashion but the current tandem well you have three you have Mike Smith, who had an excellent year last year, was seventh in Vezina Trophy voting. Koskinen, who had a tough start because he had to play all the time because there was nobody else. Stuart Skinner got into one of 13, 14 games um, in Smith's absence where Koskinen had to play that whole time. And then you got Alex Stalock, who had a heart condition at the start of the year with the Minnesota Wild. And then it was eventually, when he was healthy, was let go and put on waivers and the Oilers picked him up. He's got a year under his belt so tip it on this trio of goaltenders well you know if you look at what schmitty did last year he had a, a, an outstanding year and i know he's very motivated to come back he's working out hard hopefully he can come back and do the same thing um you know it was kind of a unique year with 56 games you could ride one guy a little more we rode koski early on because of schmitty's uh, injury and probably didn't get the start that he wanted warm down a little bit but both guys coming back you got Stalock. Uh, in the mix will come back and he'll um, you know he had a tough year with the COVID situation last year so we'll have all three guys come into camp hopefully they all play very well and uh, give us the goaltending that we need all right and someone that knows a lot about goaltending because he used to be one goaltender at heart uh, when he played at a high level Cody Jansen who has uh, done a Great work for us in our 630 Jet Sports Department with Oilers Now and and on this show today. In fact, he was uh, the producer of this program today. It's Cody Jansen. Cody, thank you very much uh, for coming on. And uh, this is a bit of a, a last minute thing. And I said, Cody, I want you to come on come on the show here. So uh, thanks for doing that. Not a problem. Happy to help out. Well, you, you heard the comments from Dave Tippett today with, with Bob on Oilers Now. I played four clips, one on recruiting and, and how players help out, uh, recruiting other players, selling Edmonton, uh, the defense comments about Keith and about CC and losing Larson and then the goaltending trio. Uh, and, he, and he talked about a lot more things, about Bouchard, about trying to get Cassian going as bottom six. What really stood out to you in the comments from Dave Tippett today? I think there was multiple things and you bring up the recruiting, which is so key because you've got that little group of Ontario players that all work out together. You know, it's Hyman, McDavid, uh, you know, there, there's multiple berries out there as well. I think CeCe's uh, with them, but like, you know, they, they all work out together. So they're all talking, they're all, you know, they're building, they're rowing the boat in the same direction, which is so key. One of the interesting points that I brought up, and I mean, you, you mentioned goaltender at heart. I think that's what my coaches thought of me as well. Cause I wasn't that much on the, 
the ice. But, you know, you've got a three-headed <laughs> monster kind of, you know, if you want to consider Alex Stalock in that bunch. But then where does that leave Stuart Skinner? Is he not your third guy? Did they not have confidence in bringing him up? Because that's one of the guys who I would like to see maybe get a little bit of experience. Because if that is your goaltender of the future, I feel like mm. you have to start giving Stuart Skinner a couple looks. I know he's only 22, 23, but there comes a point in time where, you know, I think he has proven he's an elite American League guy. So let's get him in some NHL games and see what he can do. Yeah, it's always a, a big debate with goaltenders. When are they ready? Uh, you know, and I, I can remember Devin Dubnik, who was drafted and really didn't see his first action until he was about 24, 25. You know, and we've seen Carey Price come out and play, you know, really well since he's been drafted and even had to take a step back. I mean, it was Yaroslav Halak who had the big run in 2010 with the Canadians, not Carey Price. He, he, was, the, uh, he was the backup, but... I always find it very interesting, and maybe that's why the Oilers did not draft a goaltender, uh, you know, and maybe they, they just want more of the instant the instant uh, or, or the sure thing, but I always find that interesting, you know, how teams handle goaltenders, and it's almost, it's like they want them to, to season as much as they can down in the minors, but I wonder, can you maybe overthink that? It's definitely not a bad thing to, to have them down in the minors for an extended period of time. But again, this season's going to be a little bit different. I don't know if they've exactly decided what they're going to be doing with the taxi squad, but you got to think things are changing a little bit. So do you want stay locked down in the minors? You know, you've got three goaltenders yeah. there with an average age of, you know, if you combine them, it's probably 35, 36. So do you want one of those guys taking up time from your, you know, your Stuart Skinners, your Olivia Rodriguez, if he's not on the coast, you know, those guys from their development period, are you going to take away ice time for them? I don't know. It's, it's an interesting yeah. dynamic. It's a tough, it's a tough decision to make, honestly. And I think too, I don't know if the Koskinen scenario is definitely finished yet. There is the second buyout, but I, I still wonder when things get quiet, maybe that's when Ken Holland will strike and maybe find a deal. I don't know. It's a, I think maybe it does get quiet, but when the season approaches, maybe things change. I, I don't know if the Koskinen thing is done yet. I don't think it's done by any means. Now, I get it. You know, it's uh, it's a tough one when there's still one more year, I believe, of $4.5 million that's owed to them. So is a buyout exactly your best option, or is it best to kind of ride it out with Smith and Koskinen? And then at the deadline, maybe you look to bring someone in if you can't move Koskinen by then. Or is there still going to be a taker of netminders? I know there's still multiple teams on the market who haven't solidified their two guys for the season. So I, I definitely think Ken Holland's obviously going to be working the phone i don't know if it's going to happen in the off season maybe you know you never hope for an injury but maybe an injury happens before the season and all of a sudden the landscape changes completely and there could be a market for amigo koskinen maybe that means the others have to eat a million or two but i, I definitely think there's going to be options yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't think that this is this is put to bed yet at all. Uh, Mike Smith coming back freaks a lot of Oiler fans out um, because he is 39, even though he's coming off maybe the best season of his career. You know, and you have another example on the team in, in Duncan Keith, who you know I I don't question at all how fit he is, and people that have watched him and played with him and and have seen him even from afar and understand what type of player he is, and same with Mike Smith. Uh, the, there doesn't seem to be any doubt that 
they're going to come in highly motivated. Um, it's it's interesting in this day and age in sports when we're not as focused maybe on the age as we have been before. I mean, you look at Tom Brady, he's going to be 44, and uh, there's a lot of athletes that can play longer. But um, how do you see, like, I don't think we were ever shocked that Mike Smith was coming back, but yet people get freaked out about it. He had the power, though, and that's what people maybe don't seem to realize is you're talking to a goaltender. I mean, take away the age of the picture for a second. He had a 923 last year. He only had six losses in the regular yeah. season. I mean, he played 32 games. You know, he had a phenomenal season. So what do you expect? You have to pay him. You have to give him a little bit more because if you don't, he's gone. And then what do you have for a goaltender right now? You know, for $2.2 million or whatever they got him at as an AAV, you're not going to really find a starter for that price, Dave. I don't think so, at least. No. Maybe I missed someone on there. But I think if you can get one more year like that out of Mike Smith and then, you know, maybe the, the back end of that contract is something where you hope you have someone maybe in there and he can play a bit of a backup role and still give you those steady 1B numbers. But again, he was a top 10 goalie in the NHL last season. And who's really to say that a few months off is going to change that? Sure, his, his age keeps going up. But again, if he's in great condition and if he's feeling good physically, mentally, you know, I, I don't think there's any reason to doubt that all of a sudden he's going to come in and he, he can't be a starter in the NHL. I don't think you just lose that overnight. And he's a good businessman, too, because he says, hey, Ken, if you give me two years, I give you a more flexible cap number and you can go out and sign someone else that might be a little bit uh, a little bit cheaper for you, too. So he's a very heady businessman as well. And I don't think we should be surprised. <laughs> he wants to win at this point in his career. I, I think that is a very obvious statement. And I think that there's other guys who really prove they want to win as well. Because if you're telling me that Tyson Berry couldn't get more than $4.5 on the open market, I have a hard time believing that. I mean, this guy led the NHL in points as a, or, you know, as a defensive in points there. So... I think guys are starting to realize, hey, maybe we do have to take a little bit more of a team-friendly deal, and a lot of it is now comes up to Darnell Nurse next year, right? What type of yep. deal is he going to take? Everyone sees defensemen get paid, and they deserve it. Your Kale McCars, your Miro Haskinens, they deserve to get paid. I'm not saying Darnell Nurse doesn't, but if all of a sudden we're talking about you know a huge chunk of the salary cap, what type of positions that could leave this Oilers team with or, or Ken Holland with to work around? Yeah, no question. That is the next big thing that we're going to have to talk about. And when it happens, it's uh, going to be a lot of fodder on this show and a lot of other shows. So, uh, Cody, thanks for your help today, man. I appreciate your perspective, especially on the goaltenders. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Always a pleasure, Dave. Cody Jansen, who uh, is the producer of this show today, also uh, helps out with Oilers now as well. Uh, he's going to be busy with uh, Brendan Escott, who's about to step in to the host chair as Bob Stoffer's taking uh, some some time off here. Yeah, Darnell Nurse, there's a lot of talk about eight years, $9 million. And here's my quick thought. I, I, I think I appreciate Darnell Nurse more than maybe some people do. I think there's a lot of people that do appreciate Darnell Nurse and the player that he is. But $9 million would make him the second highest player on this team. And in my view, no one should make any more than Connor McDavid. That's pretty established, and no one is going to. Leon Dreisaitl's at eight. Darnell Nurse making more than eight? That would really, really bother me. It would, even though I think the player, I think very highly of Darnell Nurse as a player. But it's going to be interesting. 
So it's uh, just after two events in the men's decathlon at the Tokyo Olympics, but Damien Warner of Canada is in first place. Teammate Pierre LePage is in third, but long way to go still, but a good start for uh, both individuals. Uh, only hockey deal today is uh, from the St. Louis Blues. Jordan Cairo, 23-year-old, had 35 points last year for the Blues. Two-year deal worth $2.8 million this season. Uh, not compared to this deal in basketball. Three-time NBA champion Steph Curry has agreed to a four-year, $250 million contract extension with the Golden State Warriors. Good money if you can get it. Two-time MVP is the first player in league history to sign two contracts worth over $200 million. That's amazing. Uh, Rocket, who's a regular texter. Love it when the regular texters text me when I'm in the big chair. Uh, Rocket says, it's when you turn 40 that things go south like my eyes did, LOL. I'm with you. Uh, Smith is good for another year at least. Uh, The forward depth, Dave Tippett, big fan of. Well, it's we feel like we're this is as deep as we've been in in you know the two years since I've been here, and you know you get into playoff series, uh, the depth becomes very important, and uh, just finding people to chip in a goal here or there. And Hyman was obviously a guy that um, Kenny and his staff had targeted to, you know, he's a he's a top top six player but he does so many things he can kill penalties he's in that front guy in the power play he's a smart smart player he'll fit in very well with our group uh fogel is a guy that um you know i i watched some tape on when kenny was starting to to uh look at there's some different stuff with him and a real hard player a guy that you know kind of one of those guys that you look at in a in a playoff series and can have a real impact uh, Derek Ryan is he's a player I've liked all the time since he was way back in Carolina and just a smart smart player who can play a lot of different situations and you know as a coach he's one of those guys you look down the bench you're looking to trust somebody to get something done and uh, and he can usually get it done he's kind of a glue guy in that in that vein so he's um you know, I like the additions we've, we've got. Also, I think you'll see Puliyarvi can continue to push forward. Yamamoto continue to push forward. McLeod will have uh, come in with a ton of confidence this year. So, our group, our forward group, is a very deep group, and uh, and I think um, you know, I really think that we've improved there. Yeah, one uh, comment that uh, we don't have time to play, but he says it is my job to get Zach Cassian going too. A crowd should help. That's just the way he's wired. Uh, I certainly hope he will earn a spot in the top six if he's going to play in the top six. But at this moment, I just don't see how he can play there. Maybe he plays second line minutes. I think, yeah, I think, uh, excuse me, I think uh, Pugliarvi uh, has earned the top line minutes on the right side. So hopefully it stays that way. Uh, updating the Olympics again. I mentioned uh, Katie Vincent. Uh, paddled into the uh, semifinals. In fact, she earned buys past the quarterfinals. So did Lawrence Vincent Lapointe. Semifinals are tomorrow in the uh, women's canoe sprint. So that is a good result indeed. Also should mention the Hockey Canada World Junior Summer Showcase today. First rounder for the Oilers, Xavier Bourgeau, had a goal and two assists. Team Robitaille beats Team Williams 7-2. Dylan Gunther had an assist for Team Robitaille. Uh, Elks injury report, uh, Two offensive linemen who I, I didn't really expect to play on Saturday because they've been out for a while uh, since the first week of camp. But uh, Sir Vincent Rogers, left tackle, listed with a chest injury and did not participate, as did Kyle Saxlid, who was out with a back injury. Jermaine Gabriel, safety as well with a hamstring, was limited. I would expect Scott Hutter to start at safety and get his first CFL start. And uh, CFL 
modifying the protocols or, or adding to their COVID protocols, basically saying if you have an outbreak and you can't play, you're going to lose the game. And if you're under 85% vaccinated as a team, you won't get paid. If you are above it, you will. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.